Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, we have such a good time with the, uh, the soundtrack, with the music going on, that we're all dancing in some strange way, uh, except for Roger, who can never hear the music. So he's looking at us <laughs> like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> so I I'm, sort of hear it, but not really, not really. It's Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. I am Rob, and this is the House of X Book Club. And of course, I'm here with my co hosts, the Quiet Council, and one member of the Whisper Consortium. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so, hello, Drew. How are you, man? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? I I'm pretty great, too. Also, we have Rowan. Hello. And Shane. Hey, hey. And we got Raj. What's up, kids? How are you doing? What's up is you made it on time this time. You showed up. Yeah. <laughs> you sort were of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> he well, was you the know. last one to finish pooping, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you called me out on that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shane, I will tell you this, man. I've known you for, like, years and years, and it's never a dull moment when you're around. <laughs> nope, not one dull moment. Not one dull moment. That's not okay. necessarily a good thing, but just yeah. and I've seen you sleep, dude. So I know <laughs> never a dull moment. He's watched you sleep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's not worrying at all. <laughs> I know you didn't know I was there, but no. So I always wondered why that for years. I just that was so, stuck in my head. With you know, this must have been Rob whispering as he watched me sleep. <laughs> Sometimes when we touch, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, well today, <laughs> oh. I broke you're learning just, you're learning, I broke just, <laughs> you're learning just a little too much about my relationship with Shane. Um, Shane, you're I just lucky he doesn't have powers of teleportation because it could be a lot worse. Uh, You're lucky he can't mind wipe you. I started to say I do, but I also have the power to mind wipe you. Um, <laughs> I've used it on Roger most. Um, hey, hey, so, hey. <laughs> so X-Men 34, if we could get into this. X-Men 34 is, it was released in May 9th, 1967. The, uh, the cover date is July of 67. Writers are Roy Thomas. The penciler is a guy named Dan Atkins. Dan also did the inking and, and letterer. That all meat diet. That's right. <laughs> and the letterer <laughs> is Jerry Feldman. Why is this a big deal? Because this is the first time in forever that somebody other than Sam Rosen or, uh, uh, you know, it's, I mean, there were, th remember, we talked about how they were like three. Uh, three letters, Artie Simic, uh, Sam Rosen, and then of course at the very beginning there was also um, oh good grief, what was his name? Irving Forbush. Irving Forbush. Sam Rosen, Artie Simic. Well, at any rate, it's mostly been these two guys. <laughs> and uh, and at this point, now Jerry Feldman is doing the uh, the lettering. So that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, broadening horizons and all. Um, I don't often notice the difference between lettering. Um, and I 
I have an interest in that. I have an interest in going back and looking at Jerry's lettering going, well, is it the same as Artie's lettering or is it the same as Sam's lettering? But we'll see. We'll see. Of course, edited Stanley. Now, the title of this story is War in a World of Darkness. So before we get into it, I'm, I wanted to know a little bit about Dan Adkins uh, because just opening the book up, I really like the artwork in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, I know I get a hoof. <laughs> no, I agree uh, with you on. It's, no, it, I'm I'm it right there with you. Definitely stands out. Okay, I I, I feel um, like I mean just just if you look at the Pfizer on Cyclops's um hood, yeah, it, I'm like wow that looks like it's actually functional for the first you time know, in forever. Yeah, and there's another page too where it's one of the X Men asleep, and and it's just the whole page is blue. The whole panel is like blue and and because it's dark. But I think that the use of light and shadow, uh, you know, from Dan Atkins artwork, I think is just really cool. So so I looked him up and he started working for Marvel in 67 doing mostly inks. But. But he drew some he, he did some like Doctor Strange issues and he went on to do Batman and Aquaman later for D.C., um and then he worked with other companies but he also did cover paintings for periodicals like amazing stories and eerie and famous monsters of Filmland. so he's quite the artist think about that as we explore his art through these issues the art style in this and it's it's not quite it's not apples to apples but it very much reminds me of the art style from like the mid to late 80s uh-huh it's uh-huh. it's 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 very good well, to me, it feels more mature. You know, it's more of a serious art style. Uh, but well, dude, look at page four. The top of page four is the industrial complex. Uh huh. Now you would think that'd be super easy to do because it's just big cylinders and you know a lot of straight lines, ge- simple geometry. But it's mm-hmm. not because wow. every industrial complex you see, while they, while they have similarities, there's a lot of differences. But this looks like it's very accurate. It's Guard very accurate. It's very and real. Lighting and yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so, shadow. <clears throat> yes. Even so though I, I, even though the moon is behind the building, something is casting shadow. Yeah. So yeah, I think that uh, Dan Adkins' style is ahead of its time, um, or at least it's you know it's beyond the work of the the standard you know group of Marvel artists that we've seen so far. Um, I, I kind of feel like their artwork is a little bit cartoony or a little bit jovial. Um, whereas his artwork, these okay, I'll, I'll give you this the X Men in this book don't look like teenagers, they look like adults, but they're serious yeah. and they're, you know, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool art. Yeah. And they look expressive, very expressive and distinct. I got to say, the, the there's a panel uh, with Jean Grey, I think, where she's is she on the phone or something. That panel, she is beautiful. The way it's drawn, it's just really cool. Really good art. So this story, let's go ahead and this is a short synopsis of the story. Very short. Because there's not a whole lot to it. Like I said, the art's great. I didn't think the writing was awesome. But uh, Ted Roberts, everybody's favorite uh, collegiate love interest, uh, calls Jean Grey and asks her to bring the X-Men because someone named Tyrannus has kidnapped his brother Ralph, a.k.a. Cobalt Man. Meanwhile, Professor X is still kidnapped. 
that's the one thing I, I think we missed to mention in the last issue, the last time we, we talked. Um, after the X-Men fought the Juggernaut, they went back to the mansion to find that Professor X had been kidnapped by Factor 3. That's pretty much the issue in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> they do go to try to go to the center of the Earth to fight Tyrannus. Oh, and before I go on, and I want to talk to Shane and Roger who know this character because we've been reading about Tyrannus for years. I mean, he's popped up in all kinds of things. Is it Tyrannus or is it Tyrannus? I thought it was Tyrannus. Okay. Yeah, that's where I would go. That's how okay. I read it. And that's how I've always read it. And then Rowan said Tyrannus. And I'm like, wait, Tyrannus? Oh my God. Well, my I don't think she's I don't, upside down. <laughs> I don't think she's wrong. I think that's maybe more of what I would think of as 1950s or 1960s sci-fi uh -huh. type of pronunciation. I think yeah. it could be either way, really. But us being boys in the 80s reading our you comics, know, we're like, it's Tyrannus. Um, well, I mean, it's the word is is some people say tyrannical other people say tyrannical oh so, so t tomato tyrus well i gotta say every time i see his name in print my brain automatically wants to say tetanus um, <laughs> <laughs> oh he's got the rabies <laughs> so at any rate they go down to try to free well again they split up because they're trying to fix the cerebro which has been smashed again specifically smashed by factor three they specifically targeted it yeah yeah, yeah. they smashed factor three because they didn't want anybody to to follow them so the x-men are trying to fix the machine angel marvel girl and Iceman. and uh so they go down in a machine that ted roberts gives them that his brother designed to dig to the center of the earth of course it's built with cobalt plating so it's really tough um Throughout all of this, Gene is like uh, on the phone with Ted going, okay, Ted, why would you think I have contact with the X-Men? Oh, come on. He knows you're Marvel Girl. <laughs> and, and she suspects that he knows that she's Marvel Girl. Um, I think it's obvious. It's the red hair that sticks out from the mask that gives it away. But <laughs> Also, this dude has stared at you for so long. Yes, he has got every detail of your face and your hair and your neck and your clothes and your shoes committed and your to your voice and your voice. So Don't make tries, it creepy, Rob. Come on yeah, now. Uh, it's creepy, dude. It, it is creepy. She tries not to talk because she doesn't want him to give herself away. Like, I don't want him to know I'm Gene, so I'm not going to say anything. Just do the Batman <laughs> voice. You're fine. Yeah, Gene Gray's yeah. <laughs> I'm Marvel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the weird helicopter airplane for a second? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like how many of these aircraft I oh, do yes. they have and where are they? I want to I want to start I want to go back to X-Men number 1 and start making a list of all the equipment, all the the vehicles oh, that they have that they've lost. I mean, they've had pogo planes, they've had uh well, you know, uh, wheelchairs with tank tracks on them. They've had well, last <laughs> last issue. They ruined an entire helicopter just throwing it at Juggernaut. I mean, okay, that this is why they're taking anything. the jet. This is why they're taking the jet now because Juggernaut <laughs> has you know broken the helicopter. So yeah, well, I um, mean, but it would explain why Professor X doesn't have any money to give them for <laughs> things like yeah birthday cakes <laughs> or yeah. cab fare. Yeah. Or espressos. 
<laughs> or hot dogs. So they go, those three go to the center of the earth to free Ralph, a.k.a. Cobalt Man, from the evil of Tyrannus. And they actually only go down about 20 miles. They get down there and they partake in the sweet, sweet mists of the River Leaf. And wait a minute. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, and they are captured by the Mole Man, who I have always seen as one of the saddest Fantastic Four villains ever. Because um, he only has one. He's a one-trick pony. He's got one goal. It's to take over the surface world. These mists put them under his control. So they become his slaves. And that's fantastic. Well, sometime after that, the other X-Men decide to come down looking for them. And how they get down there is just a rope. You know, They get a really long rope and they spelunk down 20 miles. Into the Earth's mantle. Yeah. <laughs> There's now, not, they, there, would there <laughs> even be oxygen down there? I mean, come on. Well, no. See, this is the thing. Is at the beginning, they're talking to Ted. And they're like, you can't come with us, Ted. You, you won't survive. Motherfucker, you won't survive. And he's like, but I have to. It's my brother. And they're like, no, no, no. We're going. We'll go take care of your brother. And I'm the whole time I'm reading it going, your brother's dead, man. He's dead. <laughs> if, if you can't go down there and survive, he certainly isn't alive. You know? Yeah. I just did a quick, a quick Google search, like the average depth of the Earth's crust. And it says it's 30 kilometers, which is 18.6 miles. So if they're going 20 miles, ain't no way they're surviving. I'm sorry. Yeah. This issue is stupid. This is what <laughs> I have. Uh, I, 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 started, I started making hash marks on my page every time I heard Rowan say, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> there's, let's see. This issue is stupid. What he said just now was stupid. This dialogue is stupid. This dialogue is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> it goes on. I've got like a whole page. <laughs> One of my notes is Gene's thought bubbles are stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. 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 I have a point to that. On page seven, we have Marvel Girl, we have Angel, and we have Iceman in this nuclear powered earth borer. Right. Thank right? you. We're, we're going to skip the whole nuclear powered right, nonsense, right. but let's move on. Well, before, no, I don't want to skip that because <laughs> okay. Okay. we're let's reading it. Rowan yells out, it's nuclear powered. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. It's right here. A quote. <laughs> okay. Now we can go on. <laughs> okay. So nowhere is Iceman. I mean, uh, nowhere is Scott to be found. Mm -hmm. They call angel Scott. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. No, yes. Yeah. Scotty. Yes, they do. Scotty. Yeah. They called him Scotty once. Yeah. And my thing was like, he's piloting the ship. Maybe it was thrown in as like an odd Star Trek reference, which had been out for less than a year at this point. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, that was honestly the only thing I could come up with because otherwise it's stupid. Now, if Warren had said something like, I'm giving it all she's got, I'm giving her all she's got, maybe. My first thought was like, uh, also on page seven, but since we're there's Angel says, a corpse won't do your brother any good. And my first thought was like, I guess that all depends on what your brother's into. <laughs> <laughs> when I 
read that, the first thing I said was, "Cause he's dead." <laughs> <laughs> well, what about what about at the beginning of seven, where he's got a Geiger counter, and that's how he found the pathway down. Mm-hmm. That yep. means there's radioactivity. Yep. Oh yeah. That's all a Geiger counter does. It doesn't do anything else. Well, I mean, Warren's all... whole speech. Warren's whole speech was just. It's like, no, we're mutants. We can handle it. Yes, Warren, your wings will protect you from the extreme heats of the center of the earth. Thank God you have wings on your journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so they, like I said, they get down there. They get turned into slaves by the mole man. And the deal is, is that the mole man is coming up against his his adversary, Tyrannus and the mole man has a giant diamond robot that he attacks Tyrannus and his people with. Tyrannus is sick and tired of it. He's not taken anymore. So he kidnapped Ralph Ted's brother, AKA cobalt man so that he can cover his robot, his giant robot with cobalt plating and defeat the diamond robot so the other two go down there they spelunk it's cyclops and beast they spelunk 20 miles with a rope and they find the the borer the digger okay that the x-men were like well this is as far as we go we're walk we walked from here and so the other x-men got out and walked then they became slaves of the mole man these two guys are smart they're like why don't we get in this thing and drive it the rest of the way (laughs) (laughs) in this massive subterranean cavern I think it's a fine idea. That's why Scott's the the leader. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys guys notice, maybe I'm wrong on this and you can correct me, but the Mole Man's army, the Moloids, which I'm not used to them ever speaking, speak in this issue. Yep. That was weird. Yeah. Uh So are they like devolving as time goes on? No, I think that was a a miss. You know, that was a misstep. They, They forgot. The, the writers forgot. <laughs> now, Roy Thomas is writing this, right? I don't know if, I don't honestly know if Roy Thomas wrote Fantastic Four. He, may uh, not he, yeah. he wrote some Avengers, but, you know, the Moloids are mostly a Fantastic Four thing at this point. Um, the Mole Man, mostly a Fantastic Four villain. So he might not have known. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, uh, so Ted Roberts' brother, Ralph puts cobalt plating on on the good old giant robot belonging to Tyrannus. And Tyrannus and his people capture Cyclops and Beast. So you've got X-Men on both sides. I'm thinking about it now. I, I, I think the dialogue sucks, but this was actually kind of a fun filler issue. Stupid. <laughs> I, I'll, I'm gonna say up front the only the only thing I liked about this issue comes down to the the artwork, but specifically the fact that um, Tyrannus's robot looked like a Roman legionnaire, yeah. and um, Mole Man's robot looked like some like sci-fi robot, like you'd see in like maybe like an Edgar Rice Burroughs novel or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that was it. like modern so, art, almost like a modern art it. public sculpture, so, like Metropolis. I, I made some notes here besides cool art from the beginning. There's a bit where Jean says she's going to take them over her knee and spank them telekinetically. I, I 
found that to be kind of kind of funny. So Wolverine just enters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, one thing I noticed about because the art is different in this issue, their costumes really stand out. Yep, they're like real sleek and real bright. And I mean, they always have been, but this they really shine. They pop. It actually nice. looks like costumes instead of um, trash bags cut into the yeah. Vague well, I was gonna say humans. I kind of hate it. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of hate that they're so like perfect. These costumes. Another note was that for the love of God, Gene Ted knows. All right, he fucking knows. Deal with it. <laughs> he knows that you're Marvel Girl. Okay. <sighs> Eighteen. They're all using their first names right in front of the mole man. Not that it matters because he lives <laughs> right. in the cave twenty miles down, yeah. but still the breaking <laughs> protocol. He doesn't. They care. do that constantly. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing with like them walking by the river and losing their memory that drove me insane. Mm-hmm. Not that, not the like them losing their memory because of the mist coming off of the river, but the way they portrayed it. When you said that the writing was stupid, that mm-hmm. was that was like I was when they were doing that, and it was like, huh, I don't know what's happening. It's all so weird. I feel like I don't know where I am or who I am, and who are you? Right. I just I just feel like it's my first day on this planet, man. And I just feel like <laughs> that they had recently had an office party and Stan slipped magic mushrooms into the punch or something because everyone lost their mind. I just like was like, man, they've got a crack research team at the Marvel bullpen because apparently all of them are smoking crack. And this is how they think that people talk. <laughs> Well, the world is getting more psychedelic as we yeah. go on. So, yeah. it's However, a possibility. I had I came up with a theory and it made this issue a lot more enjoyable. Much mm-hmm. like my um Wolverine the movie theory, um I applied this to it and it became a lot more fun. So, here it is. Tyrannus. First of all, I think he picked the name Tyrannus because Jim was just not inspiring the proper fear in his lackeys. But yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that Tyrannus has been living under the earth for quite some time. I think that he was originally the emissary that John Quincy Adams was going to send to go negotiate with the mole people to to set up a trade route to the center of the earth. Okay. <laughs> Do you know about this? No. no John, uh, okay, you can look it up if you want, but I swear to God, <laughs> if he had won a second term as president, John Quincy Adams was going to fund an expedition to the center of the earth to set up trade with the mole people. Wow. I swear to God. <laughs> this is something that a president was actually going to do, which makes Donald Trump the second dumbest president we've yeah. ever had. I start saying they said Donald Trump would never be president. You know. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, uh, this guy was an emissary for John Quincy Adams that got stuck in the center of the earth and wound, wound up living with the mole people. Um, <laughs> so while we we're reading these, Rowan brought something up. Okay, that that really stuck with me. So it's she, stupid. Well, yeah, <laughs> she said that too. There's that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so one of the stupid things is that Ted Roberts wanted to go. And 
they, these three X-Men were there and they're, he's like, you know, here's my brother's machine. Uh, we should go down there. And they're like, well, you need to stay. And he's like, no, I'm going to go. And they're like, well, it only holds three people. So the three of us are going to go. Rowan's thing is they're taking, they're taking uh, a vehicle that holds three people to go down to the center of the earth to pick up his brother. It only holds three people and there's three of them. So, What's what are they going to do with Ralph until the <laughs> end when six of them leave right, in the same right, vehicle? Right. <laughs> it's a total cheat. Also, this vehicle doesn't belong to his brother; it belongs to the army. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right. and then Ted is all here. Take this vehicle. What? Yeah, that was another thing she said. Oh, the army will be okay with it. Go for it. You know. <laughs> Ted uh... speaks for the U.S. government now. Yeah, 1967. So, of course, they get down there and, and you know, and they do this whole thing where there's like a war between Tyrannus's robot and the Mole Man's robot. And of course, the X-Men have to fight the X-Men because some of them don't have their memories and they're like, no, come back to us. Um, and Ralph is all right. Like, he's fine. He's, he's just A-OK. The normal dude down there at the center of the Earth, he's fine. So... Ted totally could have gone with him. First of all, he could have fit in the vehicle. Uh, and he, <laughs> yep. and when he got down there, he would have survived, you know, because Ralph was okay. I think they just didn't want him to go. They just made excuses. <laughs> Gene's like, oh, my God, if he goes with us, he'll know for sure it's me. Um, <laughs> so they were like, uh, yeah, uh, we need you up there so that if we need to call somebody to ask questions, you'll be there to answer. And um, did they ever call him? No. They didn't, did they? No, no. One of the things that struck me as odd was them building robots, 30 foot uh -huh. tall robots out of diamonds. Well, no wonder that diamonds are so rare. We've got two motherfuckers building 30 foot tall robots at the center <laughs> of the earth to, to play robot jocks. Yeah. Uh, well, so at the time, Shogun Warriors were a big deal, right? So they, right. <laughs> everybody wanted a giant robot. There was one in, was it like one of the Sinbad movies? There's like a big stone robot, a big stone golem or something, you know, some big stone warrior. Um, and that came out around 67, 69. Yeah. Somewhere in between there. Ray Harryhausen's work. Yeah. The other thing was that this whole battle proved how deadly holes are in the <laughs> Marvel universe because the thing falls into the hole and just explodes. Explodes. I never realized how much peril the X-Men have been all these times that they've fallen into holes in these comic books, but this they're, really brings it all home. They're lucky they <laughs> never exploded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it turns out that Ralph did sabotage the robot. Here's something. They go down there and Tyrannus is this big badass. He's really just a guy, right? I mean, he's been around forever because he's been drinking the river water from the river leaf but he's just a human it's not like he has the power to talk to fish or anything like that he's you know, he's he's just a guy and yet they have a hard time kicking his ass just come back up after everything and they're like so is john quincy adams still president <laughs> <laughs> all right well i thought it was odd so, too that the mole man was demanding only servitude from the x-men that's yeah. like He's going to get a visit from Professor X real soon to talk about the mole man honing in on his racket. Yep, <laughs> let's, 
We're going to flashy thing all you guys. And, yeah. Well, uh, and speaking of that, how was Professor X not in this book? And they still managed to mind wipe two motherfuckers at the end of the book. Well, Magnetism. they've learned they've learned something from Professor X that it's OK to do that sort of thing. So, yeah. So the Mole Man and Tyrannus were left amnesiacs, as you just mentioned, by by the River Leith. And, and it's really just they took him to the river. They made him breathe in the fumes. And they're like, oh, who am I? Where am I? I mean, these guys are having tea together by the end of the story, and they, they hate each other. At any rate, we'll never see them again. Right. Yeah, sure. You pointed <laughs> that out as a crime of Xavier because he taught them to mind wipe other people. Actually, <laughs> yeah. That, well, that doesn't happen in this issue. Uh, shall we cover another? Let's do it. I did All have right. one final thought. The oh, sure. thing that made the whole thing for me was I felt that the pink Batmobile really tied the whole underground caverns together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is kind of another one of those weird issues where things just kind of go like, is it going this way? Is it going that way? Mm-hmm. We'll do a little of both. Why not? I, you know? I felt like with both <laughs> of these issues that we that we read for this episode was yeah. they were like, okay, well, um, we need to get them to go confront the factor three now that they have professor X. All right. And how do we do that? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, luckily Ted Roberts called <laughs> <laughs> and distracted them from their true mission. Um, so let's go ahead and go into X-Men number 35. Well, well, my, for 34, my only takeaway from, from issue 34 was the fact that I have literally zero notes for it. That's how little I was invested in it as I read it. (laughs) Well, there wasn't really a lot to talk about other than the goofball stuff that we did because I mean, it's, 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 the writing has been so good in some issues and so bad in other issues. It's just all over. Yeah. Toying with my emotions, true. issue by issue, Roger. I don't I know. know how much more of it I could take. <laughs> it was stupid. <laughs> hey, hey, Rowan, how did you feel about this issue? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you finally asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead and tell me. <laughs> it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do care. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, <laughs> All right, well, let's go into X-Men number 35. Uh, Hopefully this one fares better. Um, Release date was June 8th, 1967. The cover date was August of 67. Writer Roy Thomas, penciler Warner Roth, inker Dan Adkins. So we got Warner Roth back on pencils. Dan Adkins doing the inks. I kind of miss Dan Adkins as being a penciler, to be honest. Uh, Letterer is Jerry Feldman again. This may be a new thing. And, of course, editing Stan Lee, the title is Along Came a Spider, which I was pretty jazzed about. I'll be honest. The first, the, the one with Doctor Strange, I'm like, sweet, Doctor Strange and awesome Spider-Man, because they're not really meeting up with anybody else in the Marvel Universe, right? So here we have a couple of, you know, early X-Men, you know, meetups with with other other characters i mean sure they fought the fantastic four they tried to destroy them they they fought the uh the avengers uh, but but this is a little broader than that so that's cool Um, and for those at home keeping score this is i believe the third 
of 4,762 times they've used the title Along Came a Spider in a Marvel comic book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I actually lost count about uh, 3,222. So, announcement. One thing I really like about Marvel Comics, okay, is the continuous shared universe. It's the reason I have stuck with them all this time. So this is why I was stoked about this issue, because until recently, the X-Men and Spider-Man hadn't really connected much. I mean, there was a time where they were like, hey, you want to be on our team? He's like, nope. And that was about it. Even in the future, like they don't have much connection with Spider-Man, except for that time he was a teacher at the school. So in this story, the Banshee returns. The X-Men get a message. Yeah. The X-Men get a message from the Banshee about Factor 3. It says, beware the spider, and that's about it. Um, They go to his rescue, only to come across Spider-Man and believe him to be the threat. So they fight him for a long freaking time in this book. And the whole time he's telling them, look, I don't know why you guys are fighting me. I didn't do anything. And until finally they realize that he's not the bad guy. Uh, For those keeping score at home, this is the fifth time out of 5,762,437 times that they've used the let's make the good guys fight and then realize they need to team up. Well, that's true. And it doesn't change. I mean, it keeps going on and on. You're right. So... Spider-Man, of course, is really mad at him. Duh. I love the fact that even after they realize they made a mistake and they try to apologize, Spider-Man's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Get away from me. (laughs) They're like, wait, wait. He's like, no, no. I'm out. You guys suck. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I I kind of felt the same way, too. As a matter of fact, I stole one of Rowan's notes for this one, and I just wrote, man, this whole fight is stupid. There was some really cool stuff in here, though. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember Banshee having elf ears in the last issue. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah there, there was a panel where he had pointy ears, and I thought that it was perhaps just a little, like, just a little tweak of art. Like, it wasn't even, you know, like it was just kind of not supposed to be pointy ears. But at any rate, they leaned um, into it in this one for sure. They really did. He's got because there's a close up of his face and he has pointy ears. And not now, only that, his, but they're tall. They're like yeah. they're they're elf they're ears. Spock ears. Yeah. yeah. So there is a bit last time when Banshee was around where Rowan says, "Are they trying to make him look like a, a, a leprechaun because because of his face and the way he looks?" Um, now in the future, he looks like a normal guy. Yeah. He doesn't have pointy ears. He doesn't have like a smashed face with a little tiny nose. He looks like a normal guy. Um, and he looks like a spirit of vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but who doesn't? <laughs> One thing I think is pretty cool about this. At some point, Charles Xavier gave Banshee a bunch of equipment and was like, here, use this equipment. And if you need you know, to track factor three, and if you need to call us, let us know, do so. So, Banshee's working as as an agent of Professor X this whole time. I think it's kind of cool. I was really excited at the beginning of this one. And yeah. I was I but then I thought to myself based on what's kind of gone on the last three issues I was like Banshee is a spy is kind of intriguing. This is off to a good start but then let's see how long it takes it to slide down the big pile of shit. And that's <laughs> it. Four pages. The thing is, is, is Factor 3 is at their headquarters in Europe. 
And I say it like that because we don't know where the hell they are in Europe, Central Europe, sorry. So that narrows it down a little bit. But the X-Men are like, you know what? Let's get on a plane and and go to Europe. But before they do, of course, they have to fight Spider-Man. So Factor 3 has a bunch of robots that look like spiders. And that's what Banshee was trying to relay. Of course, Spider-Man fought one of these things. And now the X-Men have to fight it. So they go into this old mill and Jean Grey saves the day. Marvel Girl is the hero in this one because nobody else can really pull it off. That is all I have on this issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the irony irony of, of Jean Grey saving the day, of course, is that Cyclops was trying to get her not to come. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then he's like, wait, I don't have any right to tell you you can't go with us. Well, yeah. aren't you the team leader? I would think <laughs> that, that means you get to pick who goes. Yeah. I've got a note along the same lines on page 18 in the, the middle right panel. You know, Gene's calling them on their signal watches and and Hank comments, oh, it's curious how Gene happens to use Cyclops's frequency, you know, supposed to be implying that they, there's a thing between the two of them. Well, he's the leader. Why wouldn't she contact him? Right. Made no sense. Right. Speaking of no sense, I was kind of curious um, uh Spider-Man shows up and he's like, man, I sure do love getting back to nature. (laughs) (laughs) Since when? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. He's on a motorcycle and he's cruising out in the middle of nowhere. They just call me nature boy. Stan was too busy putting notes in the random notes in the bottom of the books to say, um, he's never left New York to anybody. Yeah. They don't call you nature boy, Peter, because you like to go out into the the, the na- into nature. They call yes. you nature boy because of that time you changed out of your Spider-Man costume and forgot where you left your civilian clothes. Hey, um, hey, Shane, I got one for you. You got that? the you got the book in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Go to page nine, middle panel, and where he and calls re- himself insecure Stan. No, uh, nope. <laughs> middle panel that... of page nine. You'll uh-huh. like it. Oh, the pussycat. Yeah, he's calling you a pussycat again. Go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read it to us. (laughs) Just between you and us and that old male pussycat, it certainly does. One of the things I did notice is this is the second issue in a row where at the bot in the notes, Stan calls himself insecure Stan. Now I was like, well, at least he's recognized it. Now maybe he'll go get help. (laughs) (laughs) He's done that frequently in these last few ones. Yeah. Yeah, there was sensitive Stan and insecure Stan. It was like, you know. It's one thing to point out the smell, but you still have to wash it off. Mm. Oh, man. Well, I read um, that, though, because you, there was an episode where you just went off about Stan calling us pussycats. And so I read yeah. that. And I instantly <laughs> thought of you. <laughs> so I just speaking speaking of of past episodes, uh, Roger mentioned earlier that he had been listening to some of our our past episodes. And yes, I did. And what did, what did you what did you find? when you were doing that so today i was listening to uh, podcast number 12 and it's off this is off topic but since you brought it up we'll, we'll go there so eight minutes or so into podcast number 12 i don't remember what issue it was oh it's the issue with uh the horses and uh uh-huh. it's like out in the midwest the and, dude ranch. and the dude ranch yeah drew says he used to work on a dude ranch and we never got the info on that as to how that happened, what he did. Is it like a summer job kind of? How do you get into that, Drew? Come on. 
uh, there was a dude ranch down the street from my house and I shoveled shit. Where were you living that there was a dude ranch nearby? Um, Plumas County out in Quincy. Really? Yep. Okay. You shoveled shit for like a summer or what? Yeah. For a couple summers. Yeah. Yeah. To help Didn't her out realize with Roger was going to dox Drew on the podcast. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What is your address, Drew? No. <laughs> Which one? No, I just, I, because when I was a kid, we owned horses. Mm-hmm. And one of the most miserable things I've ever done in my life was mucking Aww. out a horse stall because the, you know, it's like ankle deep urine and feces and it's just the ammonia smell is dude i i went with you out to those horses a couple of times did you yeah yeah Yeah. so i wrote down that quote as well but i wrote down the quote starting from when shane said and then they found out that they wouldn't be able to sell any dudes yeah and then drew responds (laughs) and then drew responds well i used to work at a dude ranch that would be devastating <laughs> so not a whole lot happens in this issue except the X-Men fight a bunch of uh you know fight robots and Spider-Man and Spider-Man gets pissed off. And I bet you 30 years down the road Spider-Man's still going to be bristly about this. It just goes to show we're supposed to be going to save Professor Xavier who's somewhere in Europe and yet we got something else to do. Uh <laughs> Well at least Jean Grey figured it out at the end of the book. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. We'll get into that in the next issue. But um, yeah. oh, I, I had one question about the book. I don't understand. Page mm-hmm. eight, Cerebro is going off. And they say, oh, it's registering an, uh, a mutant nearby. And it's Spider-Man. So how does Spider-Man show up as a mutant? It wasn't the, it wasn't, it was the robot. And apparently it had to do with it being built by a mutant, which is stupid. Even more questionable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cerebro, That's has, even worse. Cerebro has always been an inconsistent bit of information yeah. no, information gathering that the x-men use because yeah. if you remember in was it the last issue or no it was two <laughs> issues ago the first um they were cerebro was going off and for some reason the x-men were the enemies that were setting yeah. it off but they never yeah. explained why mm-hmm. like at what point did professor x go and write their names on pieces of paper cut them out <laughs> and then slide them in the little slots on the machine yeah yeah, exactly. That's the Xavier protocols. He he knows that at some point they're going to turn on him. That's right. So he's got he's him like, programmed in there ahead of time. <laughs> he's, he's like Batman. He's like, I need to know how to take down every member of the X Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Gene Gray talking. That's right. <laughs> any any last comments on these, you guys? Rowan, how did you feel about this issue? I mean, I didn't hate it because I kind of liked Spider Man, but. I didn't it well it, it illustrated again how the X-Men turn their brain off. Yeah. Because you know on on one level, you know, Hank is kind of like that doesn't make sense to Beast um that they would be fighting Spider-Man, but he even says mine is not to reason why. Like, oh, we're just supposed to be fighting. Like, you know, they just go into fight mode and they don't think like they just accept it. Destroy the Fantastic Four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You know, like they just as opposed to like hmm, this doesn't make sense. Maybe we should figure it out. You know, like if they had just asked him what what the hell, he would have told them. And you would think that because he was a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, that that he would he was known for that, that he would have had at least some credibility. 
again, again, I love that when they realize they screwed up and they try to apologize, Spider-Man's just like, get away from me, you guys. You suck. Go on. Get out of here. Right. Leave me alone. Cram it with walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> I did have one question about this, and I, I kind of vaguely remembered it as I was reading through. It just kind of like popped into my head. But why was Banshee... Why? Why was Factor Three like now a foe of Banshee? What happened to him at the end of the he was last he was, one that he was no longer part of Factor Three. He was only being controlled by them, and remember they had that headband that they put on him, and it would blow up if he didn't do what they said. So they were they were really manipulating him to do their bidding. Got and, it. And once that was destroyed was, by the X, once it was deactivated or whatever. Yeah, then he was like, he was like, "Fuck you guys! I'm I'm hanging out with Prof X." Oh, okay, gonna, he's gonna. Isn't he's still wearing beer. that. Isn't he still what? wearing that headband? Yeah, he still has the headband on. Because <laughs> it's got the three circles that yeah. come across. I, they look on like there. they look like bolts or screws or something. Yeah. Um. But but there's no bomb. The bomb is deactivated, so it's cool. <laughs> on page sixteen in this issue, there was another instance of them calling each other by their first names while out in the field. Yeah, it's like. Right, okay, cool, which guys. was something that came up in the issue where they talked about not giving up their identity, but they had already called each other by their first names in front of them, so it was didn't yeah. make sense. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap, you guys. Uh, X-Men 34 and 35. Fantastic. Good reading. Um, we are getting closer to oblivion. I uh, have a spreadsheet that's got all our future issues and episodes, and all the X-Men adjacent folks kind of shuffled in there in between. And it really feels like we're gaining on the moment where the X-Men become the uncanny X-Men. Like we're getting close to that, or at least it feels like it. It's like another 30 issues, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> it it's coming quick. It feels like it's coming quick anyway. Um, I want to thank you guys for being here. Uh, next time we, uh, next, next episode, we're going to be talking about 36 and 37 and, and I have to admit that I think that after that, there's a, and, and you guys, some of you think that these issues are stupid. Just wait till you read the following issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Point how, alert. yeah, how bad can it get when the X-Men fight Frankenstein's monster? So that said i want to thank everybody for being here keep reading your x-men and we'll catch you later